Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. And I'm Trisha Bobita. And this week, it is all about Gilmore Girls. La, la, la. La, 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 la. Did you miss the laws, Trisha? They're stuck in my head. (laughs) Me too. Me too. They just kind of happen in my head all the time. Is that okay? (laughs) Yes, yes. So you probably know, or maybe you live under a rock and you don't, but the Gilmore Girls revival came out over the weekend, and we have a lot of feelings about what happened. We're going to talk about what we thought of the revival, because Greta and I have watched the whole series, Mm -hmm. seven seasons that existed previously of Gilmore Girls multiple times. Multiple, yeah. But first, we wanted to talk with some pop culture connoisseurs about the phenomenon that is Gilmore Girls, who have never seen an episode. (laughs) Just a smidge, a a minute or two, once or twice, they said, flipping channels, but they've never seen it. We were like, what dudes do we know who maybe haven't seen Gilmore Girls? And we found them. Because we think they're pretty classy gents. They are classy gents. We are talking about the hosts of Dinner Party Download, Brendan and Rico. So we're going to talk to them. And then after that, actually, we have a very lovely interview with Liz Torres, also known as Miss Patty, who is Stars Hollow's raunchy dance teacher. So in terms of spoilers, for those of you who are worried about such a thing, the Dinner Party Download guys and Greta and I are going to talk about Just Winter, the first of the four episodes of The Revival. Mm -hmm. With Liz Torres, there's really no spoilers about The Revival. So if you're a fan of the old episodes and seasons, you're going to love that, even if you haven't watched the rest. And then after that, and we'll give you another spoiler warning so you know before it happens, we're going to talk about the whole shebang. So then we're going to talk about everything that happens in this new four-episode arc of The Revival. So we're about to talk with the dinner party dudes about the show. If you don't know what Gilmore Girls is, number one, I would like to commend you for listening to this episode as long as you have. You're open to new ideas and expanding your horizons. Exactly, well which done, is a very nerdette thing to do. So we appreciate that. So we're going to give you just like a little quick notion of what Gilmore Girls is about before we jump into our conversation with Brendan and Rico. Lorelai is the mom. She had a daughter, Rory, when she was 16. They live in a small town in Connecticut that basically is inside a snow globe that's called Stars Hollow. There's a lot of people who live in Stars Hollow. There's Luke, who runs the diner, and Miss Patty and her dance studio, and Babette, the raunchy neighbor, and Taylor, the town busybody. And they all live in this town for about seven years, delighting us with pop culture references and witty banter. And really, nothing is ever really at stake because they're kind of rich. But other than that, it's really fun. And it's just a show about the relationship between these three generations of women, Rory, Lorelai and her mother Emily and I think I did that at about half the speed that Gilmore Girls oh my gosh could we speed that up (laughs) (laughs) la 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 (laughs) it's worth noting that Trisha and I are super fans but we actually have kind of different relationships with the show too you watched it when it was on like broadcast television yes back in my day we watched television (laughs) on the box when it was on it was only on at one time 
And then we got the DVDs for Christmas. And then we would binge watch them. My best friend and I would binge watch them. We each had our own two liter of Diet Coke and snacks. And we would watch a whole disc at a time because we loved the fast talking hip band references and book references because we were nerdy girls. I failed to watch it when it was on the television back in the day, but I did watch it when it came back on Netflix. It was like this weird hubbub where, like, I hadn't heard of Gilmore Girls. I thought it was the same thing as Golden Girls. And then all of a sudden, all the important people in my life were like, why haven't you watched this? Yeah, I yelled at you hard about that. Yes. So I spent quite a bit of time with my dear friends, Rich and Jen, also eating snacks. We didn't do the Diet Coke, but there was a lot of watching of Gilmore Girls, and it was a very beautiful thing. So we were both very excited about this revival, but we thought it would be really interesting to bring in two friends of Nerdat podcast hosts and pop culture connoisseurs. They talk about all the can't-be-missed TV, movies, and music each week on their show, Dinner Party Download. Rico Galliano and Brendan Francis Noonan, welcome. Hi. We'll get to specifics in a minute, but first we should set up the notion. So what we asked you guys to do was to just watch the first episode of this revival, which was the winter episode. And Mm. I figured we should set the stage for a minute. This is the revival of the show that ended in 2007, which is nine years ago. Nine years have passed in real life and they have also passed in the show so we've jumped ahead we don't know what any of the characters have been up to for the past nine years before the episode starts i thought just to get us all back into the mood let's listen to just a little bit of the very beginning of episode one of the revival hey <gasps> that's how you look when you got off a plane that's how you say hello? You've been stuffed in a glorified tin can for the last seven hours, surrounded by people with consumption, diphtheria, scabies, hummus dip, rabid dogs, drugged up children, attacking your chair and stealing your change. What airline are you flying? You should look drawn and blotchy. You should be singing I Dream to Dream with a bad haircut while selling yourself to a bunch of French dock workers. But instead, you look perfect. Admit it, you've been gooped. I have not been gooped. You're doing yoga in the aisles, wearing cashmere sweatpants while your comfort dog watches Zoolander 2 on his watch. I do blood clot prevention foot pumps, wearing my Yona Shimmel Kanishri baseball cap while toothpaste dries up a zit on my chin. Wow, winded. Haven't done that for a while. Oh, good. <laughs> I've missed you, kid. I missed you, too. How long's it been? Feels like years. Uh-huh. Feels like years. It has oh, been it years. Felt, that felt like years. That felt <laughs> yeah. like a year. How long was that clip? <laughs> it was less than a minute. It was 58 seconds. Oh, really? Yeah. That felt like a year. Yeah. Both Brendan and I, we, we took notes, I think, during... I'm, I'm eager to hear what his well, notes don't, are. Don't but, speak for my notes, friend. Okay, well, uh, my, I, I wrote down during that exact scene, quote, I am painfully aware that all this fast-paced dialogue coming out of both of these characters is written by a person and being delivered by actors. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that actually spot on, Riga. Like, my whole takeaway, and I know we're going to probably jump to broader themes, it just feels selfish. <laughs> it felt like yeah. the writers were writing for themselves and the actors are acting for themselves. Like, they're acting with a capital A, and they're writing with a capital W, but it's not for me, the viewer. Yes. And particularly, by the way, you you started, actually, that's where the drama begins. The episode actually starts where over the credits, you hear all these snippets yeah. from, I'm yes. guessing, previous episodes, like audio snippets. Mm-hmm. And basically, every single one of them is an inside joke. Yeah. So it made me hyper aware that basically <laughs> I'm being bombarded with inside jokes and catchphrases about which I am clueless. This is clearly not a welcoming episode for people who have never watched this show before. <laughs> I also didn't know they were mother and daughter until about oh, 15 wow. minutes into the show because they look about five years apart. They do. And there's no love there. I mean, consistent with the show, there's no warmth at all. Yeah. 
but they're just like blah 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 and I just felt like this silly vaudeville team. Oh my god! So I didn't know who they were or what was going on. Yeah, I will say that I think the point where I really started getting with it was about halfway through where I hope I'm not jumping too far ahead. No, go for is it. Is they're recurring. I don't know if this happened in the series or if this is unique to the miniseries, but they're these uh, musicians, these kind of <laughs> minstrel musicians kind of sitting. The troubadours. Yeah, they're sort of like sitting there on the on the side of the road. Every now and then the camera will just cut over to them. And they're playing a song. And I was like, uh, that's just like, of course, there's a guy singing by the side of the road in this perfect town. But then as the episode went on, there's a point where they show one of them and she stops suddenly halfway through her song and suddenly runs. And the other guy that we saw earlier, <laughs> the other performer, uh, like attacks her, basically. So I, I realized that they were actually playing with the idea that this is a picture perfect town. And that's when I was like, OK, I'm allowed to like this. Maybe that's just my Gen X irony coming to the surface. <laughs> I can't take it at face value, but there you are. Fun fact, the woman who was the troubadour who ran away from the recurring troubadour who was in the old series is actually Carol King's Uh, daughter. And Carol King and her daughter sing the opening song for the whole series. So that was a little like super inside joke wink to the fact that Carol King and her daughter, Carol King plays a music store owner in the show. Also, we see her in the show. So fun fact for music lovers. We just blew their mind. (laughs) That's pretty cool. You know, if we're going to talk yeah. about the moment that maybe I was like, oh, maybe I could be into this. The character I really identified with and liked was the matriarch. Yes. Yeah. She she's is the great. best. Emily Gilmore, who is sort of like Lucille Bluth, I feel like. They're similar <laughs> she, in my heart. She's, but she was also in Lucille Bluth in this universe is actually normal. And I, and I thought she was the only sane person in that. And Michelle, the, yeah. the, the guy who works at the uh, Bed and Breakfast, yeah. mm-hmm. those two characters for me yeah. were the only normal. Like, I was like, oh, whew, I can rest a little bit. <laughs> and interestingly, Michelle's dialogue is just as funny, just as pop culture laden, but somehow it felt fresher and kind of relevant and yeah, real. I think it's her performance. But everything else, the acting is just not so good, everybody. I don't think. <laughs> um, sorry. All right, so that scene where they bring Roy Choi in. Yeah. <laughs> who we've had on the show a couple times. He's a, he's <laughs> we enjoy him. He's got a great sense of humor. That really yeah. captures this this idea that I was talking about before of selfishness. Like these mm-hmm. are writers in LA who are mm-hmm. like, I want to do this thing and it makes no sense and <laughs> it doesn't play yeah. and all the dialogue around it probably made them laugh very hard in the writers room. But man, from the outside and I'm someone who knows Roy Choi and yeah. likes to go to small towns in New England. It just made no sense at all. I thought it would just like kept made me feel out of the loop. And even if you're into Roy Choi, it's like he doesn't do pop ups in small towns. Not like that guy runs multiple <laughs> major restaurants. He's sure. like an international star. I will say because this doesn't feel too spoilery that that becomes a running gag in this revival where we see Rachel Ray in the kitchen at one point, and they reference uh-huh. Anthony Bourdain uh-huh. and Ina Garten having been there. So. So yeah, it's just a thing. It's just a weird joke that they decided to really hit hard. And I can kind of appreciate that. Yeah, I guess the funny part of the joke is she mentions like, oh, his social media following's big, which is probably the reason they included him in the show. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, so there's a meta again. Maybe maybe the meta lens is the way to look at Gilmore uh, to look at this thing if you have no experience with it and um, you like real. Yeah. Things. I think that was the hard part. As I said before, I didn't realize until a little ways on that like I wasn't really supposed to take any of this very seriously until they get to kind of heartwarming stuff, which I also appreciate. Can we talk about the heartwarming stuff? Yes, please. Let's. Yes, let's. I didn't see any love between the daughter and the mother, the first pair we see. 
Like it's all like, hey man, blah 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 blah. Like they even mentioned Dean Martin and at one point and Jerry Lewis, which what well, really? Like she would make that <laughs> reference? Like no way would she make that reference? But the grandmother. But maybe the grandmother. But I'm talking about the the central two characters. No love. And then let's hop to that character without spoiler alert when she goes on a little trip to London because she's freelancing oh, yeah. a magazine oh, article God. which only pays, by the way, like four grand and there's no way yeah. she can live the life she's living. Yeah, that whole thing is just a disaster. Yeah. There's a little romantic interlude and there's no love there. With it's just Rory like there's Logan. no warmth. Yeah. It's all just like I'm like a miniature yeah. Cary Grant, except not witty. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Uh, but anyway. So, Brendan, did anything win you over about it at all? Well, there was a Croatia mention um, when uh, <laughs> when my mother's Croatian, so uh-huh. I thought that was fun. I, you know what? As I was um, watching it, I was like, Brendan's going to love that. <laughs> that right. um, oh, gosh, I'm trying. I was thinking, like, Brendan, don't be negative. Brendan, don't be negative. That's so funny because um, we were like, oh, they're going to hate it, and it'll be fun. It'll be fun. We'll yeah. No, there wasn't really anything I liked about it. I think this kind of summarizes my reaction to it is towards the end, and may- maybe you can explain this to me because I still don't understand it. There's a point where Rory goes over to visit one of her friends, some secondary character, and this friend and her husband, I guess, and their friends have a mm. band. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why <laughs> that is yes, introduced. Exactly. But, yes. And the song that they play, bizarrely, is Joe Jackson's I'm the Man, the title song from, I think, his 1980 (laughs) album or something. And here's the crazy thing. Joe Jackson, during my high school and even part of my college years, he was my favorite musician, and that was one of my favorite albums. So it's the sort of moment that should have brought me particularly a ton of joy, like this song being pulled out of my past. Who even thinks about that song? If you think about Joe Jackson, you think about stepping out or something. And it's like, that's a pretty deep cut. And I was just watching it going, but why? Why? This doesn't make any yeah. sense. Now, if you had experienced the seven years prior, you would know that that is one of the things that doesn't make sense, but is like the currency of the show is that pop culture reference that makes you feel like a little bit cool for knowing what it is if you're a 16 year old living in Michigan. That would have been me watching it, right, as a teenager. <laughs> But forgive but me, the, no sixteen-year-old has ever listened. To Rico wasn't when he was sixteen was a long time ago, and as we've yeah. seen with Thanks, me, Brendan. like <laughs> that was me being politic. But you know, <laughs> but the point being, like Rico's saying, he was just—I agree with him. I was just confused. Well, why are we in this house? Who are these people? What is happening right now? But even beyond also, that, your pop culture reference isn't that cool. <laughs> even even for like re- a retro look backwards, or if you were on the current cutting edge it was just completely i don't know you know i think that's a really good point it was bizarre i felt pandered to i think i felt pandered to i think that actually i wonder if it's like the nerd cool kid the the show for nerds who want to be cool though you know in which case because like there i was thinking like oh man yep got that wire reference like oh there's the hamilton line you know (laughs) like loved that weird french show the revenant i thought Mm -hmm. it was awesome nobody else saw it finally someone's (laughs) talking about it on tv like maybe Mm -hmm. that is kind of the whole point you know no you're right I, i was thinking about that at one point when she's in london they're talking about some writing assignment, and she's like, "Well, I'm not the next. It's not John McPhee." And I was yeah, like, oh, John really? McPhee. That was one where I was yeah. like, "Really?" They're dropping like a deep, a deep narrative nonfiction <laughs> writer deep cut in this little repartee around the boudoir. Like, no way. <laughs> and that's when I just felt like I'm not this, like this is someone delivering someone else's writing, and mm. and then the acting. Can, can, at some point, can we talk about the blue baseball cap? 
which I think captures <laughs> Please, everything let's... wrong with the acting. <laughs> okay, let's talk about yeah. the blue hat and its role in the whole show. I like that this, this is, is going to be a bigger oh, moment. <laughs> we're speaking of oh. Luke's backwards baseball okay. cap, correct? Mm-hmm. This is Lorelai's I didn't even know his name. Boyfriend man. <laughs> I didn't even know his name. Yeah, I, I wrote down Rico, all of the names ahead. because I knew I was going to forget. Well, I mean, I was thinking the same thing. It's like the, that is also one of the few things that I knew of the show and having happened across it, you know, changing channels. It's like, oh, there's a guy who recurs every time I turn, you know, every time the show's on, there's a guy with a baseball cap on. And it's like, it's like a signifier. I don't know. It's almost like old Greek tragedy where you signify. Oh, it's like someone from the King of Queens walked into this weird town. Like, what is what is going on? It's like he's oh. the baseball cap guy. That is he's, a yeah. symbol to represent what he is. But it's always brand new and perfectly backwards, like the performances. Yeah. They're actors. Put on your prop. Get to set. Begin shooting. Right. Get your backwards it, blue baseball cap on. It's like, and again, oh, it feels, oh wait, it feels hats pay. off. He's being serious in the surrogacy lounge. <laughs> That's the other thing. It feels it feels also pandery in a way like it doesn't respect you as an oh. audience member. It's like I long ago I got it within five seconds of having passed across the show on a channel that that is baseball cap wearing guy. He doesn't have to keep wearing the baseball cap for <laughs> no. me to get that. We know he's a bro. We get it. We get it. Oh my god! I think it's just because he has kind of weird hair. <laughs> I think it's an insecurity issue. I mean, that was you know. not his hair. Is oh. it? His hair looked fine true? in this in the in the waiting room. His hair looked fine. He looks like Bruce Springsteen or whatever. I feel like it's you know kind of balding ish. I think that's a totally appropriate thing in a little town like that, yeah, totally. or people not allowed to go bald. Well, I mean, put not it on. on. TV. <laughs> Can't go bald on TV. <laughs> Could you put it on the right way? Like why no. is it on backwards? No, it's to show he's a devil may care sort of guy, right? <laughs> oh. Yep. I That's also think in the I restaurant. Think when I see a guy in real life with a baseball cap. <laughs> yeah. <on backwards. laughs> now you look see at a 50 year old white man gentleman. in a backwards baseball cap. You think, what a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Caution to the wind. That's like a Bowie type. Oh, here cometh James Dean. I always thought that it was really just more about hygiene in the diner than instead of a hairnet, oh. he was wearing that nope. hat. But he wears it outside the diner. I hear what you're saying. That, that's a good point. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So you guys both took notes. And I'm curious what your highlights are from the notes because I'm always Highlights meaning lowlights probably yeah, in this case. Lowlights. Okay. We talked about the hat. Uh, Let me see. I have uh, fantastical, shallow, playing, <laughs> uh, fairy tale, but with no redeeming darkness. No redeeming darkness? No, there was no struggle between good and evil. Yeah. Like, okay. what is this place? What's <laughs> wow. going on? That's fair. Like, there yeah, aren't, the, like, the basics. Aristotle would not be happy uh-huh. with this. Right. Gilmore Girls. <laughs> um, there was, there was a bright moment in the middle that I put, Chris Eigeman just showed up. I feel about him what Ebert felt about Harry Dean Stanton. Anything with him in it can't be all bad. There you go. And then, just moments later, suddenly I, I wrote, and Leland Palmer from Twin Peaks. The whole of 90s American indie cinema is in this yeah. funeral flashback. How old is the person who wrote this show? Because I feel like that gives us a clue. Around your guys' age, probably. Wait, wait, you don't know my age. <laughs> People who are old enough to remember things that happened in the early 90s. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I'm just wanting to know was... literally how old she is. I don't know. I think Trisha's on it. Trisha's on it. Born in 1966. Oh, wow. Okay, so that's a real age. So that's eight years. She's almost 50, and all those references feel about like that. So, Rico, I interrupted your notes. Keep going. 
Well, that was just, I, I, I felt like uh, I saw Chris Eichemann and then a moment later I see Ray Wise, Leland Palmer from Twin Peaks. That was just Because maybe, maybe you're giving punch. credence and, to Greta's theory that it is just like, oh, I get that. I get that. I get that. Well, see, like I didn't even get good. those ones. I didn't get either of those. I don't know who either of those people are. Maybe it's like yeah, uh, T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland where we're all finding these references and finding <laughs> our own interpretation and rewarding ourselves for it. But we're forgetting. I think that's probably a very generous comparison. Yeah, what do you have, Brendan? My notes at the beginning, they're just loose memory joggers, but I'll share them. Uh, This is horrible. Uh, (laughs) Are they friends or mom and daughter? Uh No coffee in their coffee cups. That drove me crazy. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I got you coffee and tacos. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Super. um, I thought the character looked a lot like the lead in Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. Rory. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Rory looks almost identical and. I don't know. I, I'll skip past that. But she just didn't look healthy. No, she didn't look... I don't know. There's Anyway. Yeah. You know, I had a real problem with... I thought all of the Gilmore women really severely lacked forehead wrinkles. And I found it frustrating <laughs> mm, mm. on a number of levels. Yes. Nine years later. So also yeah. I wrote... I have tapping... Like tap oh, dancing the in the middle of the night. Oh, in the middle of the terrible. night, she's tap dancing, and then yeah. they have a cup of coffee, but they're not really drinking coffee because right. they never it's really have coffee quirky. in their coffee cups. <laughs> Guess who's quirky? That character. I wrote Uber. Uh, oh, I um, loved Uber, actually. What? I thought that was pretty great. No, I think the wacky side characters Kirk. and the troubadours all do nothing for me. That's fair. Do nothing for me. I like that the troubadours attacked each other, as I mentioned earlier. I also, but I wrote this down. Rory has an open relationship. Like, some of the directions, these stories... Mm-mm, it's not open. She was having an affair. Yeah, she's just a cheater. Yeah, she's a cheater. Wait, but she says what happens, they have this whole conversation about what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah, but an open relationship would mean that Paul knew that she was doing And that. Paul clearly knows he nothing. Didn't. Paul clearly knows nothing. He doesn't know specifics. Is this where we can make a who's Paul joke? <laughs> he yeah. doesn't know, but doesn't she take, I, it was, I will confess, as with many of these scenes, the, the rapid fire dialogue at times became so rapid fire, I literally could not understand <laughs> what was going on. But there was a moment there where she got a text and I thought the text was from her other beau. And yeah, but he didn't know that, that was, she was with that other guy. Yeah, man. Logan was cool. But Logan was Logan just her little side piece. Yeah. Logan, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Logan, yeah. She's got an open toy. relationship with yeah. that dude. Yeah, she's cheating on Paul. The, well, Logan, but her relationship seemed with Paul, and Logan is like the guy she sleeps with when she's in London. I see. You know? I thought, I, yeah, that was weird. I couldn't But you can tell it. that her heart's a little caught up in Logan, and we. I have a feeling something's going to happen before summer. Dun, and I'll dun, never dun. learn what it is. <laughs> You'll never Maybe know. Maybe you are going to watch um, another episode of yeah. this. Never. It sounds like you're invested. Yeah. All right, gents. On a scale of one to ten, <laughs> one being you wish it didn't exist like ever completely. And you for want anyone, your ninety minutes, and back. you want your ninety minutes of your life back. Ten being you're gonna immediately binge watch the rest of it. <laughs> On a scale of that one to ten, what do you think? Um, I tend not to be a hater, and I give points for trying. <laughs> and uh, also, there were there were moments that I laughed that I, I may have specified. So I'm going to give it a I'll give it a five, but I don't I don't think I'm continuing at least with this mini series. A generous failing yeah, grade. That was, yeah, that, that is <laughs> yes. a generous fail. What about you, Brendan? I enjoyed like I could see myself hate watching this again. Like if you had me, if you had us do this, I would continue, and I'm enjoying this part of it. It was fun watching yeah. it, knowing that it had an outlet for how. Yeah, that's very true. But <laughs> yeah, I feel like you really got a lot out, Brendan. But would I ever just like hit play? No, never. And I also think it's 
I'm starting to think it's contributing, like it contributed to why our country is the way it is at the moment. If if so many people are watching this show, <laughs> no. thinking it was good for so many years, then what the hell else is going on in pop culture that I'm not aware of? Um, and I'm really scared of my blind spots now because I feel like, especially if this is what someone's idea of what America is like, um, man, are they wrong. And it's so uh, narcissistic and distorted that I, it makes me more worried about things than I already am so I what is oh let me finish so uh, so what does that mean so like one to ten I mean I I guess I would have to go negative because I want people Uh to go back in time and not watch it Uh so I would say negative four negative four wow that's quite a span so between the two of you that's what like a one it's a one it's a one point it's a one Cool. That's fair. There you go. So my notes based on this conversation are Brendan did not like, Rico warmed gradually, and then I just wrote selfish in capital letters. <laughs> I think that sums yeah. it up. I think we agree that it's selfish. There's no question. Yeah. Yes. Not wearing a backwards blue baseball cap anytime soon over here. <laughs> no. But probably drinking scotch. Definitely. Already. Already preparing. But tell me what happened. Maybe you could tell us what happens at the end. Maybe you can... Just kind of watch all the shows and tell, call us and tell us what happens with Rory at the end. Yeah, totally. Oh, I've watched them all. Don't worry. Oh, yeah, we've definitely Because if she got this much traction from a Talk of the Town piece, which is like 300 <laughs> yeah. words and pays like $300, yeah. I can't wait to see what happens to her life when she writes an actual feature. Yeah, right? Yeah, we're all we're all waiting for that. <laughs> I'm sure she'll own a mansion and have a yacht. Yeah, yeah and a staff of 40. She'll produce an Oscar-winning film. Exactly. So I look forward to that one. <laughs> we are always happy to answer any of your Gilmore Girls related questions. Yeah, we're here for you. <laughs> no, we got you thank on speed you. dial. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for chatting with us and for watching the show. I'm sorry you hated it so much, Brendan, but it's, oh, no. it's a good hate watch. It's worth it. Absolutely. It was. It was. It was thanks for giving me this outlet. <laughs> yes. Have a good one, thank you guys. You thanks. For, thanks for inviting us. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. Up next, our interview with Liz Torres. Liz plays the Stars Hollow dance teacher, Miss Patty. She's saucy. She's a busybody. She's one of my favorite characters from the world of the show. We're going to talk with her about getting to do some of the show's most lowbrow humor, (laughs) meeting fangirls at a Gilmore Girls convention. Yes, there are Gilmore Girls conventions. (laughs) And why it is that so many people love the show so much, so many years later. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
Okay, so it's Trisha and Greta. Oh yes. my goodness. Isn't this crazy? Just to hear your voice makes me so happy. <laughs> oh, oh, isn't that, oh, thank you for saying that. It makes me feel good. I think my favorite thing about Miss Patty is that, especially compared to the rest of the characters and the world in Stars Hollow and the show Gilmore Girls, She's so filthy. <laughs> she's downright dirty. You know, and like the show is so it's, you know, I mean, there is like they skirt around the notion of sex, but there's very little actual, you know, it was a family show. But some of the lines you got, Patty, were pretty amazing. I just called you Patty. <laughs> it's all right. I, I am this Patty. <laughs> Name is Patty. Some of them I didn't quite understand. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew how to deliver them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, Miss Patty uh, brought lowbrow to <laughs> high standards. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to say it. But she was definitely a lowbrow character around town. And just barely socially acceptable. I've been rewatching the show lately in, in anticipation of being able to watch the Netflix reboot. And mm. just listening to the pilot all the way on through... Almost from the pilot, which is pretty unique, I feel like I knew all of the characters in the town. I knew Miss Patty. I knew Taylor. I knew Kirk. Although I think Kirk has a different name in the pilot. But, you know, those things happen. (laughs) And so I just wonder, what were some of your favorite memories of interactions with other townsfolk? Because you had a lot of great wars with Kirk and Taylor and others as the years went by in Stars Hollow. What were your favorite people to play with and characters to play with? I loved interacting with everybody, and especially Luke. I I never got to boss him around uh, (laughs) enough, but he he was one of my targets. And I love uh, Luke and Lorelai together. And and Rose Abdu, she was Mm -hmm. a town mechanic, and I love that the town mechanic was a a girl, a a woman. She had a bigger mouth than I did, and uh, (laughs) Sally. Oh, yes. Babette. (laughs) I hadn't seen her since All in the Family, and we were always friends, always friends for years, but I I hadn't seen her since then. And when she walked on the set, it was like Abbott and Costello (laughs) reborn, and we didn't shut up. We did not shut up, and they would say quiet, and we would look and nod and then continue (laughs) I think we kept quiet when we knew the cameras were rolling. We would try to behave, but we had a hard time. What a beautifully cast show. I mean, the fact that the two of you couldn't stay quiet in real life and your characters so beautifully embodied that, too, you know? Oh, you're very nice. And and it's so exciting to hear so many people are going to be back for this Netflix reboot. So speaking of this reboot, we are thrilled to be able to watch it. And we're, we're going to be careful about no spoilers just because we don't want people to get really upset about hearing too much about m- what Miss Patty is up to. But I wonder what it was like to get back together with everyone. Oh, my goodness. Well, I've been in show business since I was 14 and a lot of television, and I've never been on a show that returned. (laughs) I have no notion of how popular it was. Well, I knew it was popular because it ran, (laughs) but I didn't know how popular until they had a Gilmore Girls convention in Austin. (laughs) And I said, what? (laughs) You're like like the Star Trek thing, but for our show? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And Austin is so beautiful. And I said, of course, I'll go to Austin. (laughs) And um, I would leave my hotel room and outside there would be young ladies standing there wanting my autograph out of my hotel room. (laughs) I said, what are you doing here? Why didn't you go? Do you have to pee? I mean, (laughs) come in. Uh, um, you know, and they would walk me down to the elevator, and uh, it was a 
amazing. So it was so popular, and they were standing on line around the corner, around the block, and I thought, oh, my goodness. And then Netflix happened, and I, I said, am I in it? Am I in it? So they did four of those, and... Uh, then they did another. I just came back from Connecticut where they had another Gilmore Girls convention where they flew in from all over the U.S. to attend. The Real Stars Hollow is based on a little town in Connecticut called Washington that people don't want publicized because <laughs> <laughs> they want their privacy. There's no cell service, by the way. Wow. The town voted. To, I said, what do the poor people do? And um, so that was very interesting. And so that's just throngs of, you know, millennial women just fawning over you again in Connecticut. Is that what that was like? It was. And the children, there were children. Mm -hmm. And the the mothers came with their little girls. And there was a teacher. I didn't know that the dance company Pelobus is based there. Oh, Uh, wow. A lot of the dancers. Yeah, the Pelobus company, which I'm a a huge fan of. And then uh, Loving is her last name. And she had the dance company. And would I come to watch a performance of the of her children and I said well of course so I attended and the people from the convention came and they attended this dance recital and and the real Miss Patty was on stage and it was amazing. That sounds delightful and surreal to be at a recital with little kids in tutus. It was surreal. Miss Patty's dancers always had the best costumes. <laughs> they were fantastic. They were, and they ranged in age. You know, mm-hmm. like I had the little ballet girls. Those were my favorite. The, in the beginning, they didn't want to spend a lot of money on the show, and, and uh, they had the big, huge lights that they used to use at MGM and back in the day in the 40s and the 30s. They were huge and they had four of them in this tiny studio <laughs> and in Burbank it was open to the elements and in Burbank it was 104 oh in the shade God. with these huge cleat lights and these little <laughs> girls they were like eight years old and I, I thought oh my god and it was a ballet class and I was perspiring buckets and <laughs> and the little girls were fainting left oh, and right and, and they would run to their mothers in the middle of the scene mom I want to get oh, it was just it was in the beginning it was hell and then they got hip to the fact they had to have older dancers and um <laughs> And then I I loved tap class. I remember the, a lot of the people didn't know that I actually was a dancer. Sure. And I remember tap class, and I just, at my size, I just held my breasts with my hands <laughs> and, <laughs> and tried to make them jump. And I said, no. One of my favorite episodes was when Miss Patty was putting on a one-woman show called Buckle Up, I'm Patty. <laughs> <laughs> And Kirk was the director. <laughs> and there were reminiscences from from Miss Patty. And I wonder, did you get to feed any of your own history ever into those Miss Patty stories, those reminiscences about showbiz? In the same way no. that, you know, Nick Offerman mm. played saxophone, so then Ron Swanson played saxophone on Parks and Rec. Was there any of your real history in Miss Patty's history? There was a lot of my experiences, but everything was written, was I did it as is. And I had a mentor, you know, I I will dishonor her if I don't say, it was Lucille Ball. And she said to me, when you get a piece of material that's written, it's written by your betters. These people are English majors (laughs) and hold master's degrees in writing. And every comma and every period is well thought of. 
And uh, your job is to interpret that. And if it doesn't fit your speech pattern, you better figure it out Mm. and you better deliver it. And that's your job. So none of it is my, but you know, it was very close to my heart. And um, I understood Miss Patty. I didn't have to study or, (laughs) or create. Yeah, it was written with love from your world. Yeah, absolutely. I will say, you know, no spoilers about what's happening in the Netflix reboot. But, you know, there's a lot of the former suitors of Lorelai and Rory up for grabs and they can probably only be with one each. So, you know, maybe Miss Patty ends up with Dean. Who knows? (laughs) I'm sorry. I, um, <laughs> that's good that's really good I like to think that even though we can't see you you may be blushing <laughs> I would put my money on that Yeah, he's a tall I, I drink of water that one oh yes <laughs> that's, oh, that's very hilarious. funny yeah. so Liz I wonder you know you mentioned going to these conventions and seeing not only young women but moms with their kids which I think is such a beautiful image and I wonder why do you think the show has stuck with so many people? What do you think it, it is about Gilmore Girls and Stars Hollow that has led, you know, moms to now introduce this show to their own kids? Well, I think that what's different about the show is a relationship with a single mom and her daughter who grow up together because Lorelai had her when she was very young. The mother and daughter relationship is very, very... I think, you know, it's a hard one. Yeah, I think, too, Gilmore Girls really exemplifies the notion of it takes a village to raise a child, that Lorelai, as independent and as fierce as she was, really used so many people in the town to help her navigate her own life and to help raise Rory. And it's such a beautiful thing in the show to see that we can find ways to fill the void for each other that aren't necessarily traditional blood family relationships, right? So Ms. Patty and Luke and all these folks feel as invested in Rory's future as they might of their own child because Rory's the one who's going to make it out, right? She's going to go somewhere big. She's going to do something big. She's special. And the thing about a small town is that everybody knows everybody's children and everybody knows, okay, this one's going to be the athlete. This one's (laughs) going to be the comic. This one's going to be the writer. And you try to mentor and help them follow that path, you know. And I think that you're right. It takes a village. And because the village is so small that you're very invested in the other children, too. It's so funny. We went through the exercise today of trying to explain Stars Hollow to someone who had never seen Gilmore Girls before. Oh. And it's funny because it is, you know, we kept just being like, well, it's just not real life. It's the perfect (laughs) place. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but behind closed doors, there is real life. Hmm. There is real life there, too. Well, I imagine, too, for years being together with that ensemble on set. I mean, in some shows, only the actors who are in the scene ever really need to be, you know, sort of on set with them. But I can think of lots of examples where maybe Luke and Lorelai are bickering over the counter in the diner and you and Taylor are sitting in the diner sort of in the in the background in that particular scene. You may have a couple of lines at the beginning or the end, but I imagine that that created a, a camaraderie on the days of shooting because there was a lot of just interacting as townsfolk happening in yes. some of those scenes. Did it feel more like a 
family and more like a town because of that on the show? Oh, yes. Yes. I, I've always wanted to live in a town like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were families being born. You know, the one of the extras got pregnant. And <laughs> it was just, it was lovely. And it was like, it felt like a little town. You know, it felt like family. This is so wonderful. I was kind of worried that we would tell you how much we loved Stars Hollow and you'd be like, let me tell you, kid, like on the other side, (laughs) things were rough. (laughs) But it's so nice to hear that you have such sweet feelings for the show, too, even having worked on it. Oh, yeah, especially having worked on it. (laughs) I'm very grateful for the job. You know, um, Somebody said to me, once you have such a wonderful career, Meryl Streep has a career. (laughs) (laughs) I I just go to work and I'm lucky. Oh my gosh, what a delight. Liz Torres, it has been such a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much. The pleasure has been mine and thank you. Bye bye. Okay, Gilmore Girls fans, this is your spoiler warning. We are now going to talk <laughs> about the whole... Oh, is that the noise it makes? <laughs> yeah, totally. It's an auga horn? It's an auga spoiler Auga, auga. <laughs> we are now going to talk about the whole revival. So winter, yes. spring, summer, and fall. So if you haven't watched them all yet, maybe hit pause, go watch some Netflix, come back. <laughs> maybe that's what you should do. And it is worth noting, Trisha, that you and I really have not talked about this yet. We've been trying really hard not to text each other yeah, all the things man, about all this. All the feels. Yeah. I have a lot of them. I finished on Sunday and no one spent as much time as I did watching these and it was really upsetting to not be able to talk to anyone about them for days. I had to stay off the internet for a few days because it took me a few days longer than that to get to the fourth one and so I had to just not go online for a few days. I did get some spoilers accidentally but you know that's the way it works. So it's time for final thoughts on the Gilmore Girls revival. We need our final thoughts music please. (laughs) Oh good. This is good. Yeah. All right Greta. Final thoughts on Gilmore Girls, A Year in the Life. My final thoughts. It's worth noting this is obviously going to be super spoilery. So if you haven't watched yet, pause the thing, go watch the stuff, and come back to us. Don't do anything else in between. (laughs) My final thoughts are, I think that... The revival was essentially sort of like the show, but squared. So all of the sort of like simmering feelings I had while watching the television show were just that much more maximized by the Netflix, which means that Rory drove me absolutely insane. I thought Lorelai was pretty frustrating, too. I think in general, those Gilmore girls cannot handle adverse conditions, and I find that very frustrating. But I must say that I just loved Emily Gilmore so much. And I always adored her. But there is just something about Emily that is just the most magical thing. And I actually brought a clip that we can listen to to sort of exemplify why she is just the MVP of this entire situation for me. What the hell is going on? I can't do it anymore. Can't do what? I can't spend any more time and energy on artifice and bullshit. Why do you love that word so much? She's not getting in, is she? 
Oh, well, of course she's not getting in, but this is not the way she doesn't get in. There's a system, Emily, and you know that. We meet, we say we'll discuss it, we don't discuss it, and then they don't get in, and that is the way she doesn't get in. Well, that's just... Don't you say bullshit to me one more time. Fine. You know, Emily, you've been a member of this organization for many years, and you've done some wonderful work, and we all know you're having a difficult time dealing with Richard's passing. Maybe you should take some time, rest, regroup, and then come back when you're ready and happy to participate again. We will be here waiting for you. So basically, you're telling me I'm out. Basically, yes, but we don't say it. You're just out. That's how it works. This whole thing is dead to me anyhow. It died with Richard. And she stomps off stage eating a cookie. <laughs> Stomping away exits are always best with baked goods. Yeah, yeah. man, totally. So I agree that the most interesting Gilmore girl in the revival is definitely Emily Gilmore. So this is the matriarch. This is the grandmother of Rory, the mother of Lorelai. And here's the thing about this revival. Time had to pass. Nine years in real life passed, and so time had to pass for these characters. And so whereas Amy Sherman Palladino was hoping to use some of the things that happened in this final set of the show, maybe in her season finale in the original series when Rory would have been 22, mm -hmm. having just finished college, but instead she's 32. And so there are discrepancies of what just feels right for the characters because it felt like they shoved some of the things that should have happened to 22-year-old Rory yeah, onto 32-year-old Rory. That's a really good point. She feels like 25-year-old Rory to me. Yeah, maybe, right? Yeah. <laughs> she's floundering in this freelance career. You know, the final four words of the show, again, huge spoiler alert, but you should be gone <laughs> if you haven't watched it yet. The final four words of the series are what Amy Sherman Palladino said she always knew would be the final four oh, words of the wow. series. So final four words became this hashtag and it became a whole thing and people were trying to guess what it was. Some people thought stars hollows a snow globe, whatever, <laughs> these kinds of things. <laughs> I think that's five. Stars hollows, not real. <laughs> um, things like this. But what the final four words of this revival were, Rory saying to Lorelai, Mom, yeah, I'm pregnant. So the show comes full circle. It ends in a way as it began with a young Gilmore girl setting out to become a parent and have a family. That would have felt much different yeah, if Rory was true. 22 than if she's 32. I mean, she still has like zero life skills. Apparently, so she, she still has no 16. life skills. So do you think then that there's not going to be any more? You think this really is the end? I think they set it up so that they could totally do more if they wanted to. Yeah. Enough of the me. cast feels like they're into it also. Yeah. You know, people have been talking online and Scott Patterson, who plays Luke, has said that he's open to the idea the actors from this show, to various degrees, do have other responsibilities, acting careers. Melissa McCarthy, of course, as Suki, right. is only in the one scene in the revival. So good, though. And, you know, she obviously has a huge movie career now and writes and directs movies and is a star. And so, you know, she's not going to go back to doing a, a Netflix TV show full time. But there's others who, quite honestly, like maybe this would be a fun gig for them to do. And totally. they would do a new show where it's Rory raising her daughter or son, probably a daughter, I guess. Probably a daughter. It is called Gilmore Girls. It is called Gilmore Girls. So let me ask you this. Who do you think the father of Rory's child is? Because there are a couple options, right? I think it's probably Logan because of the interaction she went and had with Christopher, her dad, where she says, did you regret or are you upset that mom raised me alone? Uh -huh. And Christopher and Logan have been 
set up by the show to be sort of the same guy. Oh, They're basically the same guy. Huh. There's the scene where they first meet and hang out in Logan's apartment. Not first meet, but when they first sort of interact. Yeah. And they got kicked out of all the same private schools because they're rich bad boys who don't really do much with their lives. Oh, so she literally is stuck on this guy who is the same guy Lorelai was stuck on hmm. for all intents and purposes. Can I tell you my theory? What's your theory? My theory is it's the Wookiees, baby. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, man. The Wookiee? The Wookiee. Rory attempted journalism one time during this revival, and it was to do a story about lines, which I think could have been an excellent story, but she's lazy. And she fell asleep while talking to someone. Instead of doing a story about lines, she ended up sleeping with a Wookiee. And you think it's the Wookiee baby? I think it's the, yeah, I think they're going to name her Chewbacca Gilmore. (laughs) And there's going to be a quest for who the Wookiee was. Man, my favorite clip, well, one of my favorite clips was when Lorelai and Rory are talking and Lorelai asks her if the costume was involved in the copulation and Rory says, I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty great. So what are your other favorite moments? I think that Paris Geller Mm -hmm. is maybe the best character on the show. Though don't you think she was like 40? No, I think that Rory was just the worst (laughs) 32-year-old and that's why you feel like that because you forget that... She would have already gotten her law degree and her medical degree, and she's got a business that she's running. I mean, she does seem very grown up. She's always been very mature, though. It's true. But she's a 32-year-old who had her together. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's what Paris Geller is, (laughs) as opposed to Rory, who just whined her way back and forth across the Atlantic Ocean. That's funny, because I keep comparing myself to Rory and feeling like a pretty good 31-year-old, but if I compare myself to Paris, I'm doomed. (laughs) Yeah, I think that that's what the show is for. The show is so that millennial women can look at Rory and feel superior and look at (laughs) Paris Geller and feel motivated to try harder. At least that's how I'm taking it. I feel like I'm doing better than Rory. Yeah, yeah. But there's still a way to go. But not as well as Paris. (laughs) I like that. Okay, what else did you like? I love that even though Paris and Doyle seem to have broken up, they were my favorite couple of the show. I could care less about Jess and Dean and Rory and all all Rory's relationships, but Paris and Doyle were really lovely together. Uh I also like the meta storyline that the guy who plays Doyle is actually a pretty prominent screenwriter. Oh, is he? I didn't realize that. Yeah, he makes real TV and movies and stuff, and so he's a real deal screenwriter. He makes Empire. Like, he's created Empire and, like, a bunch of movies and shows that we love. So it's fun to see him back in that playing a sort of spoof on what a screenwriter is. I also think that Stars Hollow was hard for me to love again because it felt like they didn't spend enough time with the characters Mm -hmm. I loved in the town. I don't Mm -hmm. know if it was because of scheduling or being able to book the actors. But, I mean, I'm the 1,000th person on the internet today probably to say this. (laughs) But the Stars Hollow musical was super long and weird and didn't involve any of the characters from the town. And yeah, if it had been Kirk and Miss Patty and Taylor in the show or even just some of those folks, but instead they were trying to introduce new characters in what had clearly been established as a for-the-fans situation. That's a good point. And so I was really concerned that Miss Patty wasn't running (laughs) the musical. Yeah, that's a reasonable concern. Can I tell you my favorite moments? Yeah. So in the first episode, you know, Luke's diner has always had a ban on cell phones, but there's an updated list of things that are not allowed in Luke's in Luke's diner in mm-hmm. this day and age. And one of them was man buns <laughs> and just a ban on man buns, I thought was really delightful and took note of. For um, someone whose hair is questionable, Luke's got a lot of nerve banning man buns. <laughs> I also like the phrase man bun ban. It's pretty good. <laughs> Another one that was also established in the first episode that I just thought was really fun and kind of perfectly stars hollow is Taylor Dosey's sewer campaign. Yes. 
that Stars Hollow is trying to get sewers for the yep, first time. We're getting ever. rid of septic tanks. We're moving to sewers. So he's collecting all these septic tank horror stories. I just think it is the funniest thing. And actually, this is another one from the first episode, but it just made me so happy. It was Emily Gilmore decluttering her home, which we talked about this a little bit. This doesn't bring me the... joy. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was. And yeah, I mean, I have a conflicted relationship with that book because I tried to read it and it just stressed me out a lot. <laughs> and so her just like willingness to let go of it all, I just thought was very funny. And, you know, it was a bit that couldn't have happened nine years ago because the book hadn't been out yet. You know, so it was just it was fun. I will say the one thing that, again, others have spoken more eloquently about than than I will probably right now. But there are things about the early 2000s that we either didn't know any better or didn't care enough about mm. in terms of the way the show treats women in some ways, yes. ironically, because yeah. this is a show about powerful, independent women. There's a lot of crass remarks about bimbos and cocktail waitresses and a lot of very classist language towards women. And even their relationship with food I find really questionable yeah, there was given some fat how shaming. incredibly skinny all of them are. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of a weird... It felt even weirder to me this time around, for yeah. sure. Some out-of-place fat shaming, some sort of unnecessary fat shaming. Also, Emily Gilmore's arc in this, which I think, again, she was the only one who had one. Yeah, she had serious character development, unlike Lorelai and Rory. But she was still pretty racist towards her mate. Yeah. And that's problematic. I do think that the undercurrent of that change for the character, though, for folks like me who've rewatched the series multiple times, remember every single episode she had a different maid. That was kind right. of the joke. Totally. She couldn't keep a maid because she was horrible to them. And so for her to go from someone who treated people with disdain who worked for her to basically making them her family. Yeah, family, yeah. To inviting them to Nantucket. The kids are running around playing. Yeah. She's hired all the cousins and uncles. And for her to give up control in the ways that she never could before, where, you know, many times the storylines included her sending a salad back to the kitchen because it had walnuts and it wasn't supposed to. And now we have Emily Gilmore saying, I have no idea what she cooked, but it's delicious and I'm eating Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Or you're sick. Let me make you some soup. And the maid's saying, but you always burn the soup and it's such a pain to clean. And she says, just go to bed. You're sick. I'll take care of you. Just if they had just not done yeah. the thing of no one can tell what language they're speaking. Yeah. If they had just yeah. not done that joke, that whole arc wouldn't have been tinged with mm -hmm. the racist stuff that ended up being what people were talking about in relationship to Emily when really what Emily did in this four episodes was come a long way. Richard, her husband, Edward Herman, died in real life in 2014. Mm -hmm. So the show had to use that in the story in some way to explain why he wasn't there. And really, it was kind of the crux of their relationship, the three Gilmore girls. Right. The three remaining Gilmore girls have lost Richard. And so Lorelai is struggling with that somewhat. Rory doesn't seem that affected by it, really. That's true. <laughs> and Emily is learning what it means to be who she wants to be mm -hmm. after 50 years mm -hmm. of being a wife. And she was a wife with a capital W. That was her job. She was planning cocktail parties for the business and doing DAR functions, as we heard. She was in the Daughters of the American Revolution in that clip and basically quitting it because she realized that this stuff didn't really mean anything to her. It was about Richard's life, not her life. And so in the end of this revival, it's Emily who grows up and figures out what she wants for her own life and ends up being a docent at a whaling museum. Oh, my God. And describing how to kill whales <laughs> in a really gory and somehow delightful fashion. So, Trisha, you promised me and our friend Rebecca a second viewing. Are you going to hold yourself to that? Oh, yeah. We're going to watch it again. Okay, good. We need some bring snacks. <laughs> I find it infuriating, but in the way that I find some of my own family infuriating. Yeah, that's a good point. Where it's like, they should be better and we should all be better. 
And, you know, if you're trying to fill that Gilmore Girls-shaped hole in your heart now, this is a really weird thing to recommend, but I'm going to do it because I really loved it and not enough people are watching it. There's a show also on Netflix called 3%, which is, like, pretty much the absolute opposite of Stars Hollow. This is, like, a Brazilian dystopian sort of, like, Hunger Games situation. But it's very good, and for some reason it just, like, seamlessly worked for me to just, like, transition right into that and watch all of it. So if you're looking for something to watch, try 3%. Let me know what you think. So that's your homework. <laughs> I've watched 3%. It has nothing really? to do with the Gilmore Did Girls. Did you like it? We'll talk about okay, that later. Okay, okay, okay. It's time to go. <laughs> also, can I just say one more thing? <laughs> yeah, but we're keeping that part in. Yes. The 30-something gang. Oh, yeah, the 30-something. That was pretty hilarious. It went one joke too long for me. Oh. But I did think the moment, I think the moment I liked most maybe as a joke of the final four was Lorelai was clearly making fun of the 30-something gang. Mm -hmm. But then the mom of the parents of the 30-something gang came up to her and Luke Steiner and was like, we meet every week to swap resume tips for our kids and blah, blah, blah. And that cracked me up. Because let's be honest, if there's a bunch of 30-year-olds who haven't left the nest... It's not just their fault. It has something to do with the parents. So I'm glad that the 30-something gang joke also had a little poke at the parents of the 30-something gang. Okay. I liked that part, too. This show is produced by us, Trisha Bobita and Greta Johnson, along with Joe Dassault and Justin Bull. Our intern is Annie Nguyen. Our executive producer is Joel Meyer, who I don't think has seen Gilmore Girls either, but he's off the hook because <laughs> he Brendan and Rico did he it. He will. <laughs> Subscribe to us on iTunes or follow us on NPR One. Do whatever you got to do to make sure you get the show in your little phone or whatever it is every week. Thanks to Enmer Reviewer. <laughs> Good. I'm There's glad you did all the R's because I really wanted to emphasize that. And I, and I think you conveyed it accurately. So thank you. <laughs> thank you to that person, Enmer for the very nice iTunes review. Throw us some stars on iTunes if you're feeling generous. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Instagram is where I post teeny tiny book reviews. We've got fun stuff on the Facebooks as well. We are at Nerdette Podcast. We also have a newsletter. You can find out how to sign up for that and listen to any back episode of Nerdette at nerdettepodcast.com. Nerdette is a production of WBEZ Chicago, where there are delightful podcasts for nerds of all stripes. You can find out more at wbez.org. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Do your homework. Someone in the survey said they like how you say do your homework. Do your homework. (laughs) Rory Gilmore did a lot of homework. And yeah, what did it get her? I, yeah, I know. I what was, did it get her? I would have said she doesn't work hard, but she did work she hard. She did work really hard. She was always studying. She I was know. good at school. She's Here's the other thing <laughs> that drove me crazy about the Gilmore Girls revival. Okay? I thought I was done. I've got one more. Okay. As a family of educators, I thought that Rory oh, was very yeah. demeaning towards teachers. She it was. It was like she was offended that someone would think she should be a teacher at a really great school. She was Screw offended. you, Rory Gilmore. She was offended by every opportunity that came to her, but she did nothing proactive herself. She Rory, waited for things to happen to her and then complained about it. Rory, you're the worst. Do your homework. Do your homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. 
and listen to the Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.